0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance.
1: Gone. Get out the tape
2: measure. Long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to Fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley-Jean.
1: You are listening to the Fly the W 670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 38. The Cubs fail in Philly. Don't forget to download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on the socials. Fly the W 670 on Twitter and Instagram. Fly the W on Facebook. Email us fly the W 670 at gmail.com. All right, Crowley, happy Sunday. We just uh, watched the uh, Cubs drop a series to the Phillies on this beautiful Sunday. How are you doing so far?
3: I'm holding up. I mean, obviously this was the road trip from hell, nine games of misery. And so, uh, thankfully it's over and the Cubs come back home, limping back home is the way to kind of put it.
1: Yeah. I'm sure that plane ride is not going to be very fun. And, uh, Mercifully I guess they get uh, Monday off and then they'll get uh, the Mets coming into town on Tuesday. But let's uh rewind for everybody. Let's talk about game number 1 Marcus strowman on the bump for the Cubs.
3: Yeah, the throw show versus Ranger Suarez and the Cubs win this one 10 to 1. Remember Stroman uh he he just had a great Browns back performance the one we were hoping for after that rough short outing against the Twins last weekend. Went six innings pitch, gave up three hits, one run, and two walks with four Ks. He gave up only one hit, Dustin, after the first inning. He picked up his eighth quality start of the season. He's tied for the most in the majors. So,
1: Yeah, he you know. definitely gives you an opportunity every time he gets out there, right? You're always going to be in a game for the most part with Marcus Stroman on the bump.
3: Right, six innings consistently. I mean, it's just quality start after quality start. Just not a lot to show for it, but uh, happy to see that. You know, you got a little nervous after that Minnesota, you know, uh, he got shelled pretty good there. And so good to see him give the bullpen some uh, length out of it and and, and have a really good start. So I was happy about that. Amen. Nico Horner is back in the lineup. He makes his impact felt early on in this game with the Cubs up 2-1 to in the second inning after a two-run single by Nicky Magical. Nico hit a double that drove in two more runs to give the Cubs a 4-1 lead. He would add another two-run double in the fifth that clunked off the glove of former Cub Nick Castellanos. The four RBIs for Nico tied a career high as he went three for six. Seiya, Gomes, and Magical all went two for four. Christopher Morell went one for four with two RBIs and a home run. I should just put that on repeat so I don't have to keep saying it. And then the Cubs <laughs> scored 10 runs on 12 hits, 18 total bases, did leave 11 men on base and went three for 14 with runners in scoring position. But that victory ended their season high five game losing streak. So good. Yeah, to that see was one. Now.
1: That was one they had to have, right? They had to have that, especially with uh, Stroman on the mound. So it was really good. You felt fantastic seeing the offense, Nick Madrigal back, kind of the old, how he goes, the Cubs go as far as uh, uh, that went, I'm sorry, Nico Horner, not Nick Madrigal. And, um, yeah, but it was good to see Nick Madrigal get a couple hits, too. I mean, some people uh, wanted him shipped out of town, right? Maybe get rid yeah. of him. But yeah.
3: uh, he's doing well, all right. Right, right. And and so, you know, you, you felt good after that because you said, okay, well, you got that one and you still got Justin Steele coming up. One thing that was interesting is Nick Birdie came into garbage time in the ninth inning with the Cubs way up. He gave up no hits, no runs, one walk and one strikeout. That strikeout was against our old friend Kyle Schwarber, with a pitch that hit 101 on the gun. That was the fastest Cubs pitch since Araldus Chapman in Game 7 of 2016. Yeah, so, see, that's
1: crazy. Yeah, that I, <laughs> that that pops, right? That pops at you, literally and figuratively, um, that that's the fastest pitch since Game 7 of the World Series.
3: Right, and that's been the problem with the Cubs is you got all these guys that are kind of pitching to contact, and, and you don't have the flamethrowers that you see in a lot of these other bullpens. And so I guess that's kind of why I want Nick Birdie to have more chances. Are there going to be bumps in the road? Yes, there are going to be bumps in the road with some of these young guys. But but there's a lot of upside with them as well.
1: Yeah, they, 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 listen, they could do a whole lot worse than Nick Birdie. Everybody at this point needs a chance. This bullpen is an absolute mess right now.
3: Yeah. Yep, game two, you want to talk about a mess. Jameson Tyone Ooh. versus Aaron Nola. The Cubs lose 12 to three. If you wanted your Saturday freed up, Jamison made sure that happened. As he was bad right away, he made up his fourth start back from the IL. He's had, when he had a groin issue, and it's just been an absolute struggle. He gave up six runs in the first inning, a grand slam. Did you not predict that grand slam happening when he loaded the bases and Schwarber? Oh, up? Of
1: course, I mean Schwarber <laughs> just absolutely destroyed that baseball, absolutely destroyed it.
3: You leave a hanging curveball to Kyle Schwarber, and that's what's going to happen. A two-run homer to Cody Clemens. Clemens actually pitched the night before, position yeah. player pitching. He didn't look like his dad, but he also hits better than his dad. Uh, the Cubs were down six nothing after the first after the first inning. When asked about what was going on, Tyone said, being on a new team in a new place, you want to prove that I deserve to be here and I'm a good player. So far, I haven't had that opportunity to show that. It's been pretty crappy feeling. And obviously when you're pitching, you're out there by yourself. It's not fun, but you have no choice but to punch back, pick yourself up, find a way to punch back. He's not made it out of the fifth inning in any of his four starts since coming out of the IL. So I don't know, Dustin.
1: He's He's been disappointing, doesn't look right. Doesn't seem to know where the ball is going. Um, I, I, it's like his confidence is absolutely shaken right now.
3: And and everyone's trying to figure it out. The numbers don't look absolutely awful. He, just, just every time he gets two strikes, he can't finish it. it. It just it comes out to be a mess. And at every time when you think he might get off the hook and everything's going to be okay, just the worst possible situation happens. And I don't know if he, he has something wrong with him if he needs a stint on the IL, go to Iowa, work it back. We'll see what happens. But right now, every time it's almost a guaranteed law. It is pretty, he hasn't won one start this year. He hasn't, the Cubs have not won one a single game that he has started all year. And big so it's
1: zero yeah, big old zero
3: at this point, you know, you just wonder how long this can keep going. They're going to keep working it. Uh, Rucker Estrada, Fulmer and birdie came out of the pen to pick up the slack. The only reliever to not give up a run was Jeremiah Estrada, who went 1.1 innings, gave up zero runs, zero uh, hits, one walk, and had three Ks. Rucker gave up two runs. Fulmer gave up one run. And Birdie gave up one run as well. He gave up a leadoff triple to Garrett Stubbs, who scored on a wild pitch. But then he settled down and got a flyout and two strikeouts and once again throwing that heat. So, you know, just, just kind of something to keep in the back of your head. The offense, though, looked anemic corner. Hap, Suzuki, Mancini, and Wisdom were all hitless. Uh, Dansby Swanson hit two, a two-run homer, and on repeat, Christopher Morel hit a solo home run. <laughs> In his 10 games this season, Christopher Morel is batting 381, 16 for 42 with three doubles, seven home runs, 13 RBIs, 14 runs scored, a 409 on-base percentage, a 952 slug. Since May 9th, Dustin, his first game of the season, he is tied for the major league lead in homers with Aaron Judge and extra base hits. Morrell scored at least one run each of his first 10 games this season. The only other Cub to do that since 1900, Hank Sauer, who was originally the original Mr. Cub MVP, 1954, he held the streak for 13 games. What's more, Morell has also recorded at least one hit and one run in 10 consecutive games. He's the 13th Cub to have a, game, a streak of 10 games or longer with a hit or a run. The last Cub to do it, Mark DeRosa, May 9th yeah, to that? the 19th, 2008. Morell is the only Cub in franchise history since 1901 to hold such a streak from the start of the season.
1: Yep, it keeps making you wonder, what if, what if, what if. He had been here from the start, but maybe they knew what they were doing. They got him uh, everything he needed, and then some. And he's been able to bring it up here. Now they just got to figure out where to play him every day because his defense a little bit, uh, a little bit shaky. And you know, Carly, you mentioned about the offense, right? The offense broke. They struck out thirteen times on Saturday as a team. Thirteen.
3: We keep, we keep talking about these numbers, and again, like, you know, I get it if you're a team full of power hitters. You take a look at, you know, the team that usually when Philly has everybody healthy and you take a look at, like, Castellanos and Schwarber and Bryce Harper. Uh, who's the usual first baseman? Name skipping me, injured his knee. Um, but when you look at that, there, those are a lot of guys that swing really hard. You know what I mean? The Cubs don't have a lot of power hitters, but they're striking out a lot, and that's what's driving me nuts.
1: Super frustrating. Absolutely frustrating. And it would continue as we get into game three, Crawley.
3: Justin Steele versus Taiwan Walker. Justin Steele after the flu game, right? A la the jo- Michael Jordan. He was back to his all-star <laughs> looking ways after a touch of the flu in Houston. He went six innings, he gave up four hits, one walk, and six Ks. Got in a little trouble in a few innings. In the second with two on and one out, but was able to get a couple of ground outs to get out of the win- inning. He gave out a two-out double to Dalton Guthrie, but was able to get Trey Turner to ground out. And then he gave up a lead-off double to Nick Castellano in the sixth, but the next batter, Bryce Bryce Harper, flied out to Seiya Suzuki, who threw a strike to third, and Castellanos was out. That was a laser
1: beam, man. That was a laser beam throw.
3: Right. That was the first out, and it was at third base, which you never, never do. So, you know, hey, uh, it it was... Great to see Justin Steele looking like his normal self. Just did a fantastic job. Now, on the offense, once again, that were non-existent. Against Ty Juan Walker, who came into the game with an ERA over five. He held the Cubs to only two hits over 5.2 innings. He had three walks and three Ks. Cubs helped him out with some sloppy base running. They got picked off twice. In the second, Mike Talkman was caught off first on a back pick by JT Real Muto. And in the fourth, Dansby Swanson singled but was picked off by Taiwan Walker. Cubs had their best chance to score in the sixth, and I thought maybe this is the one where they break it open, right? Nico, you know, with one out, Nico draws a walk, reaches second on a throwing error, and uh, and then Dansby walks. You got guys at first and second with one out, but Hap flied out, and a struck out to end the inning. Christopher Morell on repeat, hitting a solo home run, this time in the ninth off former Cubs closer, Craig Kimbrell to get a Cubs a third hit and keep his homer streak going and to keep the Cubs from getting shut out. But that was the only run the Cubs would score. Uh, Justin's, uh, during Justin's last inning of the 6 So I thought this was interesting. Jeremiah Estrada was up and throwing first, right, in the pen. But then he sat down and Alzali got back up. He was the first one to come out of the pen. He got the first out, but then gave up a double to Ed, uh, Mundo Sosa. Then-pitch hitter Bryson Stott hit a two-run homer, his first as a pitch hitter, and the Cubs were down 2-0. We talked about this in the last episode, Dustin. You know, some of this is Ross's fault. Some of it's on the players. This is not on Ross. I mean, you sit no, there. No, that's and, not and, on
1: Ross. That, no. I, that's, that is not on Ross. I will not blame David Ross for that. But I do have a question, because when I was watching that part of the game, Crowley, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you might have the answer. What was going on? With that arm sling or brace or what? What was that? What was that all about? They made him take it off. Ross had to come out and say, "What's going on?" What, what, what was that about?
3: I have no idea. I saw him kind of playing around with it in the uh, bullpen when he was warming up, and then right, I and then it was and then he deal. came out.
1: Yeah he, yeah, he came out and had it on his arm, but then the umpires made him take it off. I wasn't I haven't quite heard sure anything about it yet. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure what was going on. I didn't see anything on, on social media either about it. So I don't, I don't know, know if, if it... that played a role, like the, the umpire taking him out of his rhythm perhaps or making him not feel as confident because that was not on his uh on his person anymore. I just I don't I don't know.
3: I don't know, too. You you wonder, if, like you said, if it was the ups or if it was the opposing manager playing a little gamesmanship, getting right, in his head. Right, a little
1: gamesmanship, yep.
3: Don't know, mm-hmm. but, you know, I, I just, I know, Heine, you know, this this is what Joe Madden, who's going to be at Club 400, uh, tickets go on sale this Friday. But Joe Madden used to call outcome bias. We know what happened, and we know that it was bad. He, you know, he gave up the home run. I do wonder what would have happened if Jeremiah Estrada would have kept throwing in the seventh and gotten out there. You know what I mean? Yep. Just, just curious to see what would have happened. But would have, could have, should have, but you, you didn't win. It was an awful road trip. Now, let, let's be realistic here. The Two Cubs and seven, played,
1: Crowley. That, that's, that's about as bad as it could get.
3: Right. Keep in mind, you did have a flu bug going in there. You had three playoff teams that you had to face. And the Cubs were not a playoff team. They're trying to get there. But you can see they're falling short here. And to me, this was always a concern we talked about in all off season, where the run's going to come from. We've talked about it on the show. You don't win many games scoring only one run and you're just putting a tremendous amount of pressure on the bullpen all the time, striking out this much, leaving all these men on base. And, and so that's where you have zero margin for error, right? You, you can't sit there and every little mistake that you make, Gets magnified because you just don't have the opportunity to do anything, you, and so that's just the frustrating thing. You just aren't scoring enough runs. You you do this all the time. You score ten runs, twelve runs, thirteen runs, and then the next couple games you get one or two runs. And again, uh, some of those will come in garbage time. You know what I mean? When you got some, you know, some bum reliever out there on the opposing team. So, right. um, I, I I would say that I'm 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 very glad that you know the Cubs are going to come home. And you got, it's not like the stretch gets much easier, but at least they're home and hopefully they can, you know, get some home cooking going.
1: Right. That'll be on uh, Tuesday. Monday is a day off. Drew Smiley will throw on Tuesday. We're going to preview that for you guys in just a second.
0: Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
1: This is the Fly the W 670 podcast. Don't forget to listen, download, review, most importantly, subscribe to our podcast. And in this segment, Crowley's talking to Tommy Birch of the Des Moines of the Des Moines Register.
3: Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, we have our old friend Tommy Birch from the Des Moines Register. Tommy, how are you doing today, buddy?
2: Doing pretty good. Kind of lonely. The Iowa Cubs are in the midst of a 12-game road stand, so... uh... It's uh, it's going to be a while before I see any baseball in Des Moines.
3: Yeah, they were just finished up a series in Indianapolis, and you know, it's it's been interesting because obviously, there's a lot of movement going on between the Chicago and the I Cubs. So you're kind of like in the middle of watching this whole storm kind of kind of happening right here. Now, you wrote an article that interested me the other day about uh, Kyle Hendricks and his trip to Chicago. He just came to Houston the other day, but for people that weren't aware, Kyle Hendricks obviously had a shoulder issue that was going down, and he was shut down last season. When was it, right around June, July-ish?
2: Yeah, somewhere around there.
3: And, you know, it's just been weird because, you know, ever since Kyle Hendricks has come up, he's really kind of been, you know – Mr. Dependable in the bull, in the uh, rotation. And so it's been a while since Kyle's been throwing. And he was down in Iowa. And, of course, there's going to be some time that kind of takes to adjust. But, man, with the way that we see the pitching here in Chicago, especially with Jamison Tyone, mm-hmm. you, you know, everyone's just kind of clamoring to get Kyle Hendricks back up. Yeah. What did you see that changed from when he went to go visit Tommy Hadovy up in Chicago?
2: Results. I mean, for <clears> – <throat> You know, I'm kind of a novice baseball expert like myself. You know, I've been watching baseball my whole life. I'm not the the pitching gurus of Tommy Howell and Ron Falone, but uh, Kyle had actually told me when he went back to Chicago, they looked at some film of <clears throat> one of his outings from 2016. Um, I think it was two or sometime during his past. They went back, looked at one of his old starts when he was really at his best, and they. Um, had one of his starts from when he was with Iowa and overlaid the video. I could tell his timing was off and essentially um, <clears throat> he was kind of rushing everything and that kind of threw everything out of sync for him. Where his fastball wasn't going where he wanted to, his off-speed stuff wasn't going everywhere uh, he wanted to, which is just absolutely vital for Kyle Hendricks, who does not have um really electric stuff that's going to, just overpower everybody as we all know, he relies so much on location location location. So that little bit of timing which has throwing everything off. He came back to Iowa, um, slowed down his delivery a little bit more, got it to where he wanted it to be started hitting his spots and what we've seen are uh, three really good outings out of him um, ever since that that trip back to Chicago where he's looked great. I would say the only thing that's kind of missing, kind of building up that pitch count, building up that stamina is getting better and better with it. Um, His last outing in Indianapolis was much better where, you know, he pitched into the sixth inning again, but um, you know, I I think it's still um, one of those things where he's still trying to get back into that full game shape moving forward.
3: Yeah. He went six innings pitched. He gave up one run, five hits, no walks and six Ks. So hopefully the Kyle Hendricks of old and, and there's people wondering if maybe he even comes up to Chicago for the series uh, against the Reds possibly. Yeah, It
2: could be that way right now with how well he's pitching, like I said, three straight outings where he's looked really, really sharp. You know, I think once he kind of has gotten to that, that sixth inning, that's where kind of the stuff dips down a little bit more. And it's kind of like, I think what you see during a typical spring training for any starter where um, you just kind of have to build up that max, build up that stamina and get back into a better routine, which he essentially is. And that's why I think even those first couple outings, it really wasn't a major concern by any means where you looked at it like, okay, this is what a guy during spring training does. You know, the first couple outings just about getting out there, just about um, getting on the mound, throwing your stuff and, um eventually getting into a good rhythm, which is what Cal Hendricks has done lately.
3: Now, the Cubs made a flurry of moves uh, to start the weekend, and one of those moves was Hayden Wesniski going down – or I'm sorry, that happened previously, but Hayden Wisniewski was recently optioned to Iowa. Have you had a chance to talk to him at all or not really?
2: Haven't gotten a chance to talk to Hayden yet, but his stuff looked absolutely great in his first outing uh, with Iowa on the road in Indianapolis. I think he threw five no-hit innings, just um, going back through the stats. You know, he he relied heavily on a sweeper. um, I think 11, 12, 13 swing swing and misses, somewhere around there. So um, the only concern would have been the four walks. He had four walks during that outing, but it's exactly what you want to see from a guy that is coming back down to the minor leagues after getting a demotion where he just goes out there and absolutely shoves and kind of looked a lot like the guy that we had saw in Chicago at times this year, mostly at times at the end of last year where um, he's just got great stuff. He's got swing and miss type stuff and he's got flat out dominant stuff when he's on. I think for him, it's going to be more about, finding consistency, being able to put together outing after outing, inning after inning um, of just kind of being that dominant guy that we've seen at times.
3: Now, another guy that, that has been, that was just recently sent to Iowa was optioned. To Iowa was Keegan Thompson, who had just has struggled this season. And, you know, he was kind of taken aback. And I think that's hard sometimes, you know, you, these guys work so hard to get to the majors you know, and you know what it's like, you know, beautiful clubhouse and nice flights and all this stuff. And then they've they got go that in
2: Iowa. they've got a nice clubhouse. No, I haven't <laughs> been not, in the Iowa definitely clubhouse. Not, definitely not the flights, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's so tough, especially when you're a guy like Keegan Thompson, who's gone up there and absolutely shoved and really um, solidified yourself as part of the plans moving forward. I think there was a point in his career where he's probably thinking like, okay, I've done my time in the minor leagues. I've done my time and I, why well, I've solidified myself as a big league uh, reliever moving forward. And I think um, this is something we have seen from Cubs players over the years. It's going to be, how does he um, <clears throat> respond to it? And if he responds well, gets the work in, there's truly a path moving forward to have him go back up there and have great success. You know, we saw it with In Hat, We saw it with Kyle Schwarber, you know, we've, We've seen it with a ton of guys, Christopher Murrell, who have gone back to the minor leagues, done what they've had to do, gone back up and absolutely flourished. So I think for him it's going to be embracing that time um, back in the minor leagues, seeing done what he's got to get done, and then getting, getting back on that path moving forward because, look, he is going to be a valuable asset for the Cubs moving forward. He was a valuable piece of that bullpen last year, and they're definitely counting on him again this year.
3: Now, how surprised are you? You mentioned Chris Morrell. I mean, everybody knows the kid's got talent and all this stuff. But how – I mean, this is big league pitching. I don't care who it is. And the guy is just hitting home run after home run. Even today he gets another one. How shocked are you at at, at the success success Chris has had? And did you see him working a lot with uh, John Maley? I know they've talked a lot on the broadcast about um, moving his hands down lower and all that stuff. What did you see when he was in Iowa?
2: Yeah, I mean, they told him, look, there were two things they really wanted him to work on. They wanted the strikeout rate to go down. They wanted the walk rate to go up. The strikeout rate went down a little bit. It wasn't like drastic numbers where you saw a day difference in Christopher Murrell. You saw the walk rate go up. The most important thing, I think, when I saw Christopher Morrell down here was that he was having um, competitive at-bats all the time. He wasn't wasting at bats chasing pitches out of the zone constantly. You still had that chase from time to time, but you know, to a certain degree, that's what you like about Christopher Morrell too, is that aggressiveness and that aggressiveness leads to a lot of success. Like we're seeing at the big league level where he's going to show off a ton of power. He's going to show off a a ton of uh, ability to just electrify that offense, something that they've been sorely missing now. Um, what he's done in Chicago is absolutely astounding me because you look at what he had done in Iowa. He had actually kind of cooled off over the last week before he got called up. So, kind of wondered like, okay, is this is this almost kind of a weird time to to call him up? There was a need; they needed to bring him up, though. Um, but he has just absolutely torn apart opposing pitching in Chicago. He tore apart opposing pitching in the minor leagues. And he's one of the best hitters on the planet right now when it comes to any level. What he did at AAA, what he's doing at the major league level. Um, Look, it's going to be impossible for him to keep it up. But if you can have some level of that success moving forward, man, that's going to be a valuable piece for the Cubs moving forward because he offers so many different things that um, are just insurmountably uh, valuable to the Cubs, you know, like I mentioned, that power, he offers versatility, a guy that can play the infield, can play the outfield and can do a really good job of that too. And just the electric ability that provides, I mean, it's a legit spark that you see guys feed off of left and right. And it's, it's an infectious energy that he has every day at the park. I, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody like that. And we talk about guys that have gone up and down between the minor leagues. You know, I mentioned the Ian Haps, the Kyle Schwarbers, you know, when it came to talking about Keegan Thompson, um, you know, when Morell got sent down to the minors, he fully embraced it. He was a guy that has a smile on his face all the time. He was legitimately just happy to be playing baseball anywhere. He didn't care if he was playing baseball in Chicago. He didn't care if he was playing baseball in Des Moines. Obviously, the preference is I want to be in the big leagues, but he was a guy that was just happy to be in the lineup every day, and I'm sure you're going to be in a great mood when you were absolutely raking like he was every day. So um, does it surprise me what he was doing? Um, Not completely, but, I mean, I I would say – the level of, that he is doing, it, it's absolutely insane right now.
3: Now, the the Cub fans were kind of shocked because when they made that flurry of moves this last weekend, one guy that nobody expected to come back up was Edwin Rios. And so it's kind of like, okay, Edwin Rios is back up. What was, he, was he doing anything in Iowa that you said, okay, I see this guy getting ready to come back up
2: to Chicago? Yeah, I mean, he showed some power. Yeah, a couple of home runs. He had some really good at bats. He was a good clubhouse guy. There, another guy that seemed totally fine with the idea of being sent down to the minors. Um, I think a guy that totally understood the the numbers part of it and where his situation was in the grand scheme of things, but probably had a pretty good idea, knowing like, okay, that amount of experience he has, the the left handed pop that. He can offer he, – he probably knew, like, okay, at some point I'm going back to the big leagues. So it's probably a little bit easier to digest a demotion when you know you're going to go back up. But um, <clears throat> I think just the fact that he had come down here, he had played pretty well. He had put together good at-bats. He had shown power. He's a veteran. He's a guy that um, is going to be a good clubhouse presence. It didn't really shock me that he went back up. Um, just the flurry of all the moves that came all at once and the, and the, the variety of them definitely shocked me. And, um, you know, when it came to a guy like Keegan Thompson, going back to him, you know, I kind of wondered like, okay, how long are they going to have that, that with
3: Now, you know, you, we were talking about Keegan Thompson, two guys yes. that recently got called up Jeremiah Estrada and Nick birdie. You know, with, with Nick Birdie, we know obviously you know has to get the control down. We know he has the heat; he's he's, he's throwing gas. But I, you know, the thing that concerns me, Tommy, and I'm I, like I said, I'm just a guy watching on my TV. Is it just doesn't seem like they give these guys chances? Like they come up, and it's like I don't know if it's just managers are nervous or if they see something that I don't. But when I see Jeremiah Strata, I'm like, why is this guy always constantly either in garbage time or? after the, the leads already been given up, like why isn't he given an opportunity when all these other guys are failing?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is like earning that trust when it comes to David Ross, like, okay, we're going to put you in these situations early on. If you do well, I'm going to put you in some more high leverage situations. I'm going to give you some more opportunities moving forward, which in the grand scheme of things, yeah, it's kind of a double-edged sword where, you know, you, you want to get them experience, but you're also and you're wanting them to kind of prove themselves, but also like some of the situations just become really, really hard to navigate through, you know, especially when you're coming into a blowout game or you're coming into a game where you know the bases are loaded and there's one out, you know, for a long time. Um <clears throat> the the name I always thought back to and this long before David Ross, this is you know, a long time ago, the the one guy who just absolutely dominated in A and was a lights-out reliever back into the bullpen guy for the Iowa Cubs that was constantly being tossed into really tough situations and struggled all the time in Chicago was Brian Slitter. And I know Cubs fans are probably just, like, cringing when they hear that name because, like, Slitter would go up and just would struggle at so many different times. But part of that was the situation was dictating, like, man, he was getting put in some really, really tough situations. So, like I said, it's kind of a double-edged sword where, like, one, you want to give those guys some good opportunities. But, two, like, the, the kind of philosophy, at least by the Cubs, when it comes to managing the bullpen using – some young, inexperienced arms is saying like, "Okay, we're going to put you out there, but you got to earn those other opportunities. And to earn those other opportunities, you got to dig through some of these tough chances um, early on."
3: Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I, it's, it's, it's kind of tricky because I like look. I get it if you got a really good bullpen, and it's like, man, where are we, you know, we'll just kind of put these guys on him. But it's like, man, it, with, with these guys, it's like it just seems like there's a different guy blowing a leader, blowing a save or blowing a hold every day. It's like, why not see what you got, you know? And, and I think to me, that's the toughest thing when you see these guys come from AAA, is that like, they never really get a chance to kind of get in any type of rhythm, which, you know, I mean, it, it's a good thing in one regard because it means you got talent up in the major league, but for these guys, like I think about Nelson Velasquez, it's sure. like, okay, he gets like a start and then he sits for like four days and then it's like, okay, now you're back in against this really tough pitcher.
2: Well, and Nelson's situation was really tough to comprehend, too, And the idea that, you know, the first time he gets called up, he's the hot hitter on the planet. We had said that about Christopher Murrell, but look at the numbers that Nelson Velasquez had put together when he was at AAA start this season. He goes up, um, I think, hits a grand slam, and then sat the next day. And, you know, part of the deal <laughs> is, you know, when, when you're calling a guy up from AAA, you know, a a lot of the times is you're calling up that guy because he's hitting really well and you want to utilize kind of that hot streak, um, that's going on. And that was really tough. You know, I know, um, you know, when Nelson first went up, I remember thinking like, Oh my gosh, like they got to play him every day and let him get into a rhythm because or else you are going to just cool off one of the highest hitters in your entire organization. Um, you know, and when, when it comes to bullpen arms, it's really intriguing, too, that you look at what they do so many times in AAA. You talk about guys like Nick Birdie, um, you know, Manny Rodriguez, who's done okay at times here. You know, I think if you look at the numbers on Manny Rodriguez, are kind of inflated by a couple of bad outings. But, you know, guys like uh, Nick Birdie, you know, they're in Iowa pitching seventh, eighth, ninth inning. But then they're going up to Chicago and being exposed to a completely different type of situation. So you hear it all the time that you want things to be as normal as possible. When you go up to the big league level, one of the biggest adjustments you have to adapt to is the idea that your role is going to change Um usually monumentally, you know, you look at, you know, a guy like Nelson Velasquez who we were just talking about who went from playing every day in Iowa to then you're kind of grinding out at bats in Chicago. Then when you talk about the bullpen guys, you're, you're talking about like, okay, I'm, I went from a late inning guy to I'm going to get some mop up duty or some really tough situations thrown at me. So it's all about kind of adapting to that next level in the different situations that are going to get thrown at you because just because um, you get thrown into that situation in AAA doesn't mean you're going to get thrown into that situation in the big league level.
3: Right. Now, now I told you about the Cubs bullpen struggles and we've seen birdie, we've seen Estrada, obviously cam Sanders, they're still working on control issues with him. Who would you say would be the next person to be called up if the Cubs needed bullpen help?
2: Yeah, I mean, man, both those options are really intriguing. I've always been a Cam Sanders guy just because I love the stuff, um, the velo, the wipeout stuff. Um, you know, control has been missing at times for him, but, you know, he's a guy that will – walk to strike out three in an inning. So he's got some really good stuff. I think if he can just pound the strikes on a little bit more, it's like like he, he's going to be knocking out on the door of the big leagues, obviously. Another guy is Cody Hoyer, who's still working his way back from Tommy John surgery. I thought, like, man, when I first saw that he was coming to AAA and he was starting um that rehab assignment seemed really fast for a guy that was coming off Tommy John. And I think you saw that early on where some of the first couple outings were a little rough. He got roughed up a little bit. He had trouble with his command. He's starting to get that back. The velo is, is really getting up there too. So he's a guy that probably needs a little bit more time. And I think you kind of want to get him into a rhythm too. And realistically, like what are you going to rush him back for right now? You want to make sure he is in a good spot physically mentally um all that type of stuff but him cam sanders manny rodriguez you know is a guy who's been thrown in the high 90s as well and has looked really good um at times and like i said before the statistics probably don't tell a full story when it comes to manny but he's also had some um some control issues as well so um You know, Horn's another guy that they really, really seem to love. Um, He's a guy that I think would be up in the big leagues at some point this season. But all those guys are probably, um, you know, guys that are at least knocking on the door of the big leagues right now.
3: Yeah, you're talking about Bailey Horn. One last guy I want to talk about is Javier Assad. We saw the spring training was amazing. We saw the World Baseball Classic. Struggled when he came out of the gate here in Chicago. But I felt like the second time he came up, he looked much more like that guy we saw in spring than we did in early April. Uh, do, do you, you know, I, I just, to me, I think the Cubs misused Keegan. I thought he did best in a multi-inning role and they kind of moved away from that and kind of played around with that. I think with him and the side, you got guys that can, you know, when you have the short starts from say a, um, Jamison tie owner the other day you had uh Marcus Stroman those are guys that can eat four or five innings and I think that's where they really belong what's going on with Javier I mean we he was the one that we were surprised didn't come up when uh when Edwin Rios got the call up
2: yeah I mean he's just been inconsistent too he's had some really good outings and they're kind of in that really tough spot where you know it's like they're asking him to start but also like There's still that time where they're still working him back into a starter, and where he's kind of bounced in between these really tough roles between what he's been doing, what he's been doing in Chicago, what he's been doing in Iowa, and having to bounce back and forth. So I think it's been once again one of those situations where it's a really tough situation to ask the guy to find that level of consistency. Now, of course, that's being asked you know, all across the nation by different guys and different organizations who are having to bounce up and down. But it is a really tough thing, especially when you're kind of being used in and out of the bullpen. You're being looked at as a possible spot starter type guy. Your roles is changing, um, you know, yeah. so much more drastically than what we were talking about before, where we you're talking about guys pitching, you know, maybe in the fifth inning as opposed to the seventh inning, where as opposed to you're talking about Javier Saab, possibly spot starting versus being a long relief guy. You know, it's just so many different hats, and I think that makes it really difficult to um, kind of maintain a level of consistency moving forward. But he's shown some really good flashes at sometimes, and you know, he's kind of the forgotten guy when it comes to to the arms. And the other guy that I would say that's kind of the forgotten guy when it comes to arms and I was Caleb Killian too, who's looked really sharp at times. Um and I will but I think that start in Chicago and what David Ross said moving forward has kind of led people to kind of write off Caleb Killian, right, wrong, different, I don't know, but he's still a guy that really intrigues me as well.
3: All right. Well, Tommy, I appreciate you jumping on and giving us the pulse of what's going on in Iowa. And there's just so much, like I said, mo- motion happening. Tell our listeners where they can read your work and where they can find you on social media.
2: Yeah, go buy a newspaper. No, um, you know, most of them probably are picking up uh, Des Moines registers at the, the new stand Des Moines register.com. Follow me on Twitter at Tommy Birch. And uh, we have a lot of good content coming this week. You'll, I think you're going to have a Ben Brown story that I think fans will like and probably a Jake slaughter story coming too. another guy that like out of all these guys that we're talking about, that's a guy who's absolutely raped right the entire year. Now he's, now they has been down in uh triple a, but somebody that, Realistically, where is he going to go this season right now? But definitely a name to keep an eye on. All righty, we'll be
3: following these stories closely. Tommy, thank you for jumping on, buddy.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and A member FDSSE
1: Crowley, great job with that one. Really like Tommy Birch. Great guy. Great coverage of the uh, I iCubs. This is the Fly the W 670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 38. The Cubs Fail in Philadelphia. And uh, in this segment, Crowley, we're going to talk a little uh, roster moves and do a little preview of the upcoming uh, homestand. It's a long one, too, this time.
3: Well, before the game on Friday, Cubs, social media, Cub fans now around the world were enjoy seeing some of these roster moves. <laughs> the biggest, the one that we've been talking about for the while, Eric Cosmer was finally, finally DFA'd. I have nothing personal against Eric Cosmer. He never did anything to me personally or as an opposing player the guy made 170 plus million dollars in career in his career I wish him nothing but the best I heard nothing about the best but look he couldn't be on the roster anymore just couldn't it's time to kind of start cutting some of the fat here and getting rid of players that can't produce he was high up there his best years in baseball were long long Behind him, there's a reason that San Diego didn't want him. There's a reason that Boston didn't want to re-sign him. It is what it is. Every, every player has to go through it at some point in time. I wish him nothing but the best. No ill will, but I'm glad he's not on this roster anymore.
1: Right. No ill will. Um, hopefully, this won't shy other guys that are in his position from coming here. I do think it was a a little bit quick, but. Um, he wasn't doing anything. He was getting in the way, and he was there. So Ross was using him at times, and we all were wondering why he was using him when he was using him. So I guess I'm gonna have to agree that uh, sometimes you just have to, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to cut your losses.
3: I think too, Dustin. What what kind of drives me nuts is sometimes if you if you sit there and you leave the guy on the roster. David Ross wanted to play him all the time. I don't know if that was Jed or right. you know what was going on. But as long as he was on the team, I thought that David Ross was going to kind of keep trying to play him way more than he should have. You and I talked about this. He should have yep. played maybe one day a week and and he should have been on uh, playing, you know, maybe first during that time. And that's it. But that wasn't happening. It was this consistent playing him every day, putting him in the, not every day, but putting him in the roster way too much and and DH him and doing all sorts of weird things that, you know what, if he can't play him right, then just cut him so that he doesn't have the option to play him wrong. You know what I mean?
1: Right. He'll be just fine. Like you said, made over a hundred million dollars in his career. So he's don't, he's no, don't anybody out there listening <laughs> feel bad for Eric Osmer.
3: No, now, as I kind of thought the Cubs did place Cody Bellinger on the 10 day IL. If, if you notice, this is a habit with the Cubs. Uh, everything looks like it's going to be okay. And then a couple of days later they they put him on the IL. This is retroactive to May 16th. It's just, it's just a smart move. I mean, if you miss a couple days, let it, you, you need to let these things heal. Ross said the knee he injured, making that incredible catch in Houston, was responding slowly, so the Cubs decided to play it safe. Mike Talkman was selected from AAA. That gave the Cubs a lefty bat who can provide depth in center field. I know that you were talking earlier, Dustin, about uh, just you know not feeling 100% confident in um, Christopher Morrell's defense, and to me, he is a third baseman. I hate trying to convert people to center fielders. Or you know, I don't like that at all. So this yeah, is yeah. Center's leg-
1: tough. Center's just not just to go out there and play it. No.
3: Right. And and I, I like Talkman. And he made a great play today. Uh, I th- think he's going to be good for depth in center field. David Ross said though about Eric Cosmer, super difficult conversation. He's been a big part of impacting this group since spring training. The way he comes into work every day, just emotional day from that standpoint. That's probably the worst part of my job having those types of conversations. He's a professional as I've ever been around. Um, In the 31 games for the Cubs, Hosmer hit 234, two homers, 14 RBIs. But I think sometimes, too, and remember David Ross, he wasn't a, a superstar player. He was a guy that was somebody that was a really good clubhouse guy, gave you, you know, kept professionalism in that locker room. A lot of people said he was the leader, the captain of that 2016 team. And I think that you know when he has to have that conversation, he probably remembers what that was like to be on the other end of it, you know.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's got to be it's got to be a difficult thing, but uh, I guess that's part of uh, what goes into being a big league skipper, right?
3: Right. And we talked about this on the last show. Keegan Thompson was optioned to AAA. Edwin Rios was recalled from Iowa, which surprised me. So the Cubs are playing one pitcher down. They have one additional position player. Uh, doesn't Keegan, make any
1: sense to me at all. That doesn't make <laughs> any sense at all the way this bullpen's been performing.
3: I don't know if there was why anybody is
1: Assad, why is Assad not up here?
3: That that I could not tell you as of right now, but Rios <laughs> Keegan's had a four twenty-two ERA, sixteen strikeouts, fourteen walks, and twenty-one in the third innings. He had that disastrous outing on uh Thursday. Uh was it thir- no it was Wednesday on Wednesday where he uh basically gave up the winning runs and You know, I just think that this was on the Cubs. I think they misused him from the beginning. We always said multi-inning role. They started playing around with that. I didn't like it. And hopefully he can get straightened out in Iowa. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he'll be back up.
1: Yeah, eventually he will be back up. No doubt about it.
3: On Saturday, the I-Cubs, and and you just heard with the interview with Tommy Birch, they played a doubleheader in Indianapolis. There was a rainout the other day. And so Kyle Hendricks went six innings pitch, gave up one run on five hits, no walks, six Ks in a 2-1 I-Cubs victory. Uh, he'd be able to start Friday or Saturday for the Cubs uh, in that next series coming up, so just kind of be aware. I think that might be Cincinnati. So they go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So, yeah, it looks like he would be in line to pitch in, uh, against Cincinnati. Not only that, Hayden Wesniski started game two of that doubleheader. He went five innings pitch, gave up no hits, no runs, four walks and 5Ks. So... You know we're gonna be watching Hayden real close, and hopefully he gets those walks down, and we'll be. Well, up that's just soon. it.
1: Right, that's it. The walks is what really bugs you about the whole thing. Four walks, come on.
3: It's it's not just the walks, but it's also just how they're kind of coming about. You know, like sometimes you got a tight umpire or something like that. You can't have uncompetitive pitches, especially if you're a guy like Hayden. You, if, if a guy can just sit there and lay off and you're falling behind in the counts, you can get away with that in AAA. You fall behind in counts in the major league. You saw what happened to Hayden. He's going to get whacked.
1: Oh, yeah. Big time.
3: So the Cubs have the Mets coming into town. Uh, thank God the Cubs are back after that awful, awful road trip that we talked about. The Mets last season went 101 and 61, finishing second in the NL East to the Atlanta Braves. The Cubs played the Mets seven times last season. They actually took the series four to three, but they lost three of four at Wrigley, but swept the Mets at Shea Stadium. The Mets lost in the first round of the playoffs to the Padres, two games to one, and owner Steve Cohen decided, I'm going on a spending spree. And that's what he did. Got some key additions, uh, center fielder Brandon Nimmo, right-handed pitcher Edwin Diaz, all of these guys that they uh, signed back. Justin Verlander, Kodai Senga, who we were hoping coming to the Cubs and that we'll see on uh, Tuesday. Jose Quintana, former Cub, catcher Omar Navarez, right-handed pitcher Adam Adovino, right-handed pitcher David Robertson, who the Cubs traded last year. Uh, You have Tommy Pham. Danny Mendick, infielder, left-handed pitcher Brooks Raley, and Elisa Hernandez. I think, though, Mendick just went down, didn't they? I'm not positive. I believe so. I believe you're right. But they also had some losses. Jacob deGrom gone, Taiwan Walker. We just saw him with the Phillies. Right-handed pitcher Chris Bassett, James McCann, Seth Lugo, Trevor Williams, Trevor May, Michael Givens, Jolie Rodriguez, and first baseman Dominic Smith. So a lot of shuffling for the Mets this season. And don't forget, they were involved in that Carlos Correa craziness. They, he He was on the Mets for a little bit until he wasn't. Right,
1: right, until he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Crowley, I guess we have to do it, right? We got to look at the standings.
3: Yeah, the Cubs lost two of three to the Phillies. Their record is now 20 and 26, season high, six games under 500. If everything stays the same, currently the Cardinals are beating the Dodgers. The Cubs would be in fourth place by percentage points. Milwaukee still in first place. They're on a three game losing streak. They were winning last I checked 24 and 21. Pittsburgh 24 and 21, so in second place, they're four and six in their last ten, same with Milwaukee. But the Cubs, uh, three and seven in their last ten, they're at 20 and 26. Like I said, the Cardinals winning right now, but they're currently at 20 and 27. And Cincinnati has dropped into the cellar, so it is no longer the Cardinals in the basement. We don't get to laugh about that anymore. In fact, we have to get worried that they're just about to pass the Cubs
1: right that's what we have to worry about now is the uh, mets are coming into town Crowley, for three games starting up on tuesday and of course right you can hear those games on 670 the score game one drew smiley
3: right the the mets are third in the nl east at 24 and 23. they're on a four game win streak they're playing the cleveland guardians tonight they took the first game on Friday. We're rained out on Saturday, so I'm hoping they're tired. Yeah, double header,
1: right? They got a double header going today.
3: Right. So you take a look, Atlanta, Miami, then the Mets. You know, when we were frustrated about losing to Miami, sometimes there's teams that surprise you, and Miami's had a pretty good start. Philly has not. And you could see that Washington is clearly in the basement, so we can still be angry about that series. Uh, what was that, the beginning of May? so it is drew smiley taking the bump mr consistent the guy that always keeps you in it and you know he was the one that you know that loss he didn't get a loss he got a no decision uh, in that start against houston which was frustrating because he pitched so well and the cubs really needed that win and did not get it when you look at drew Smiley, like i said that start against houston pitched absolutely well six innings four hits one earned run and against Minnesota, he was the only one that did well. Six innings pitch, four hits, two earned runs. So uh, this is going to be interesting. I'm going to be at this game. So A, it's fun to watch Smiley. B, I am excited to watch Kodai Sanga because I have never seen him pitch before. And this is his first time pitching in Wrigley Field. He has that forkball, which is kind of the ghost forkball that everybody's been talking about. Uh, Against Tampa Bay in his last start, he went six innings. He gave up three hits and one run with 12 Ks against the best team in baseball. So, uh, Dustin, I'm a little nervous. But 5'11 in Cincinnati, he went five innings. He gave up eight hits and five runs. So, who knows baseball, right?
1: Right. Who knows baseball? Um, Drew Smiley has been doing it for the Cubs, no doubt about that. I think he's even... He's as consistent as they come. Only Justin Steele is better than him overall at this point. And yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see Kodai Senga at Wrigley and uh, what that's like for him. Of course, uh, hoping that the uh, bats wake up on the way back from Philadelphia and they can get to him.
3: Well, as you know, nobody on the Cubs has ever seen Kodai Senga. So what would you put the over under on strikeouts for the Cubs? 10.
1: Ooh, boy, that that's too high. Um, <laughs> I probably put it at eight and a half.
3: Eight and a half. Uh, All right.
1: Eight and a half. Over under eight and a half. Unfortunately, I probably right now it's uh four twenty-four on Sunday after what just happened this week, and I'd say over.
3: Well, you take a look, the, the Mets have seen Smiley plenty, and it seems like they hit him pretty well right now. Uh Pete Alonso, 273 with a Homer. How about Eduardo Escobar, third baseman? 571 14 at bats with four homers and four rbis francisco lindor 333 so there's some guys that can hit him pretty well so hopefully drew smiley can can just can keep doing what he's doing and and uh, hopefully keep keep the mets scoring down right
1: absolutely let's hope fingers crossed
3: Game two, Marcus Stroman will take his three and four record with the 305 ERA. He has been fun to watch, other than that blip in Minnesota. Against Philadelphia, six innings pitch, three hits, one earned run. That Minneapolis start 2.2 innings, seven hits, six runs. That was the bad one. And against St. Louis, six innings pitch, four hits, two runs. So I'm looking forward to the Stro show as always. That, you know, and, and I think there's just something, you know that Stroman has. A chip on his shoulder against Absolutely the Absolutely right.
1: There you go. That's where I was thinking, Crowley. You think he's going to want to just really stick it to him. He's a guy who I think holds
3: grudges. Absolutely. Now, what worries me about this one is that the Cubs are facing Tyler McGill, and we all know Stroman, other than the other day in Philly, has not had much run support. You're taking a look at McGill in his last start. He went against Tampa Bay, six innings, four hits, two earned runs. Against the Nationals, he went five innings, four hits, one earned run, and against Colorado on 5-6, only 4.2 innings, six hit, three earned runs, but he also had three walks. So he had issues with walks in two of his three last start, not against the Rays, but against Washington and Colorado. So, you know, I, I would say, maybe you know, patient like they were the other day. I, I thought that start that they had the other day against uh, Ranger Suarez was exactly the kind of thing that they're going to have to do um, – against McGill if they want to have any success uh, in in this game right here. So looking at the numbers as far as Strowman versus the Mets, Pete Alonso doesn't have a lot of at-bats. Eduardo Escobar, 17, but doesn't hit him too well, 235. Francisco Lindor, they love playing against each other. And, and I, I talked to Straw. I interviewed him at Club 400, and he said Lindor was one of his favorite teammates. He bats 286 against Stroman. And then Gary Sanchez has 10 at-bats, 200. So not a lot of guys have a lot of at-bats. As far as the Cubs, they haven't seen Meagle much at all. Only Dansby Swanson seven times with a 143 average. So that that the two pitchers, and out of those two pitchers that the Cubs are facing, only one guy has ever seen either of the two pitchers. I don't like how this sounds, Dustin.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a recipe for a, a bad start to a home stance. That's what it, that's what it is. Yeah, Especially just, game three, right? Game three, we've got Jameson Tyone out there, and uh, he's 8.10 ERA and too many walks and no confidence.
3: Well, he, this is going to get interesting, Dustin, because you say that, but but it's also Carlos Carrasco is also having an awful season as well. Yeah. Uh, he's 0-2 with an 868 ERA. Now, the situation's kind of different. We all know that uh, Tyone only went 2.1 innings against the Phils and gave up six earned runs, six hits. Uh, first inning was just a disaster against Houston, 4.2 innings, seven hits, four earned runs, and against St. Louis, 2.2 innings, five hits, four earned runs. So he hasn't gotten out of the third in his last, in two out of his last three starts. So not good. That being said, Carlos Carrasco is a guy – I don't know if people remember this. He was uh, on the Indians roster when the Cubs faced them in the World Series. And I, th- I wonder if he would have stayed healthy if the Cubs would have been able to take the World Series in 2016. That's what happens. But, you know, he had an injury, so he was out uh, to start the season. He had – a um, right elbow inflammation. So he didn't come back. He had a a, a few spot starts with the minor league, uh, Birminghamton rumble ponies, classic, uh, (laughs) triple, triple a name right there. And then he was active. Oh yeah. The rumble ponies. So he was acted activated May 19th. So obviously he was injured to start the season, not to start the season after a couple starts, they put him on the IL and then he has just come back the 19th. So he pitched, like two or three starts before he went on the IL. And then in his first start against the guardians, he went five innings, pitch five hits, five earned runs, two walks and three Ks. So again, patient at bats. I don't know if he's on a pitch count, don't know exactly his situation, but you know that this is a guy that's not, you know, that's still trying to get back into it. So the Cubs are going to have to look and do something to get this guy out early.
1: Yep. Let's hope. I mean, that you're gonna to have to have a crooked number that's for sure you're gonna to have to have some runs no doubt. boy i'm just so disappointed crawley and jamison tyone right now you know he talks the talk but he's not walking the walk that's for sure
3: yep and he'll be the first to tell you that but talk only goes so far man you got, you gotta start doing something here
1: gotta do something gotta do something all right who's hot who's not crawley who's hot who's not
3: well, let's go ahead and start with Seiya Suzuki. Hot, hot, hot. He is eight hits in his last 22 at bats, three home runs, five RBIs, 10 strikeouts to three walks. He's averaging 364, 448, 18. And you can't talk about hot without talking about Christopher Morrell. The yeah, guy- He is hot.
1: High. He is hot as the sun right now.
3: Nine hits in his last 25 at bats, but out of those nine hits, Five of them are home runs, Dustin. So half the time he put makes contact, he's hitting a home run, eight RBIs. 12 strikeouts to two walks, uh, but he's hit, hit, slashing 360, 407, but his slug is a ridiculous 1.040. Not. Um, when we take a look at the not right now, Ian Happ is struggling here. And when you look at Ian Happ, He only has four hits in the last 21 at-bats. Two of them are doubles, one RBI, but he's slashing 190, 280, 286. Matt Vervis continuing to struggle. Uh, He's had less at-bats, obviously, lately, but he's three for his last 16. Uh, He has one homer and one RBI in his last seven games, 188, 235, 375. So, Hopefully, like I said, coming back to Wrigley will do him some good. On the opposite side with the Mets. Look out for Jeff McNeil. Would you please? The guy has 20 he has 10 hits in his last 23 at bats, two RBIs. He's got three strikeouts and one walks. He's hitting 435 on base 458. Slug 425. So he's not hitting for power, but he's getting on base all the time. Now Eduardo Escobar, he's only had 13 at bats recently. He has five hits. And he's had one home run, three runs for 385, 467, 615. But when you talk at the not for the Mets, Brandon Nimmo is struggling. He has four hits in his last 28 bats, slugging 143, 172, 250. And also Pete Alonso is like Kyle Schwarber, one of those all or nothing guys. He Right now, he only has six hits in his last 25 at bats, but four of them are home runs with 10 RBIs. So he's hitting 240. He's on base 269, but he's slugging 720. So just your classic slugger right there. Right. And, he,
1: always seems to, he always seems to do good from what I can remember. I, I'm not looking at any numbers. It just feels like when he's at Wrigley, he does well.
3: Also, take a look at Francisco Lindor. He he kind of reminds me in this Carlos Carrasco situation, or not Carlos Carrasco, but uh, Carlos Correa situation, where he's been struggling. He had a big hit the other day. I don't know if that's going to get him on track or not, but something to kind of just keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, well, hopefully they all are cold, Crowley. Weather should be pretty decent for those games at Wrigley. So uh, let's uh, get into the prediction, shall we?
3: Yeah I mean I'm going to go with the Cubs taking one of three I don't like the fact that they just have no experience against pretty much all the pitch I mean two of the three pitchers so that's what has me nervous right now and then you have a a tie on start for the third one so that that doesn't make me really happy.
1: Right I I have to agree with you Crowley not that I don't want to agree with you or disagree with you right but it's the, the, the right away, you worry about time, but maybe because their pitcher also has a really high ERA in that one, maybe you could just outslug them in that one. Um, I, I'm going to say one out of three for sure. They're not going to get swept by the Mets. That that, that I know for sure. I, I believe that uh, Marcus Stroman again has got that chip on his shoulder. He's going to be pitching lights out against his former team, just to uh, just to shove it to them. So I'm going to go uh, one win, two losses against the Mets. But uh, that game three. Uh, go ahead and uh, bet the over. Take that money that you won on Saturday and hit it on the over on Wednesday.
3: All right, we're going to pound the over. All righty. <laughs>
1: hey, at least you got to have a little bit of fun during this losing streak, right?
3: Right, it can't just all be Christopher Morell time, right?
1: Can't be all Christopher Morell. All
3: right, Crowley, that's
1: a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow the socials, Fly the W on Facebook, on Instagram. You can email us, flythew670gmail.com, and now you can watch us, Crowley, on YouTube by subscribing to the
3: 670 The Score YouTube channel. And you know what? The Cubs are coming back home. Don't worry. I will be there on Tuesday, Grateful Dead Night. What a way to kick it off. I'm excited. Let's go Cubs. It's all over.